You're listening to Seattle Real Estate Podcast. Hey, everybody. I'm Sean Reynolds, the owner of Summit Properties Northwest, Reynolds and Klein Appraisal, and your host of this episode of the Seattle Real Estate Podcast. So lately, Ed, on my side, on the Summit Properties Northwest side, we've had a ton of sales activity. And we've also had a pretty good blend on the appraisal side of both purchase appraisals and refinance appraisals. Those are the two main kinds of appraisals we got. A lot of activity going on. And, and yet I still have a ton of people asking me, hey, since we're still in this lockdown, especially in the Seattle area, we're not even in a phase two yet. Since we're still in this, this lockdown, home prices should be dropping. Can I get a deal right now? And the simple answer is no. And then people are like, well, what is going on? We've had a global pandemic going on. We've had economies shut down. We've had unemployment, uh, first-time home uh, unemployment claims reach like 42 million, I think it was. Um, just massive amounts of unemployment. Businesses shut down. Businesses going out of business. And yet home prices are still holding steady. And in my market here in Seattle, what I'm seeing is probably some increases in pricing. So how can that be? What's going on? That's what we're going to look at today. And this isn't just a Seattle real estate market. This is markets across the United States. And some of it has to do with the locality of the market, uh, places that got taken out of the shutdown earlier have rebounded, obviously quicker, and they're coming back faster. But even in some markets that were really hammered, real estate in this one, in this slowdown, has been kind of that one industry that's like, what is going on? So let's take a look at that today on this episode of the Seattle Real Estate Podcast. And what I've got is I've got a handful of uh, articles that I found online that I'm going to go through and I'm going to read and kind of give you my feedback and my take relative to what I experience on a day in and day out basis of what's happening. And just to give you a little little more feedback on on from my end of things and the summit end of things, I'm the owner and the managing broker. And so I get the phone calls of, hey, you know, that listing we brought on last week, we just sold that with six offers, multiple, multiple offers, and we went over list price. And we've had that situation happen probably on four or five deals in the last week. And then I get the other side, which is I've got buyers and we can't find anything in this price point. We were looking in this neighborhood, and now we're having to go even further out from the employment centers, seeing a lot of that. And so there's an obvious shortage of housing, but what's interesting is that demand is clearly bigger than the, than the, the amount of supply. So that's essentially what is causing housing prices to either hold tight, hold steady, or in what I think is happening and what I think the narrative you'll see over the next month or so is that home prices are increasing, which seems like an incredible thing considering what happened in 2008 um, in, that, in the Great Recession of 2008, where housing was the, the main factor that kind of led us all down that really nasty path of a big recession. So things are really, really different in this turnaround. So let's take a look and see what some of the articles are saying. And I'll give you my feedback and I'll tell you whether I agree or not, kind of what I know, and we'll get into it. So first article I wanted to bring up was one by Curbed. And that is, um, it's a pretty 
pretty decent real estate um, outfit that reports on a lot of stuff. And the headline was, the economy is tanking, so why aren't home prices dropping? That's the main question everybody is asking. And you get the people who are like, yeah, there's going to be short sales everywhere. We're all going to have to short sale our homes or there's going to be bank foreclosures left and right. I think people have it in their mind that this is another great recession, especially as housing comes. But that's not the case. Uh, More than 38 million Americans have lost their jobs since the outbreak of the COVID-19 pandemic. Stay-at-home orders have ground so much of the economy to a halt, prompting trillions in stimulus spending by the government hopes of keeping industries afloat. We all know that. But anyone hoping a silver lining to the economic chaos would be deals in the housing market have thus far been disappointed. That's what people don't want to hear is that they're not going to get a deal. They think they're going to get a super uh, discounted deal. And this is the time to do it. And then they go out into the market and they're looking around going, man, prices are even higher than they were before. So, but anyone hoping a silver lining to the economic chaos would be deals in the housing market have thus far been disappointed. And this was for the week ending May 9th. The median listing price in the United States was up 1.4% year over year, according to Realtor.com. Existing home sales in April fell by almost 18% but prices rose 7.4% compared to a year ago. So a lot of people are going to say, hey, you can't pick and choose your data, or you can pick and choose your data, and you can find anything you want to support whatever you want. But what I'm telling you is that the trend out there is that there's limited supply and there's more buyers, even in the age of COVID, even in the age of you can only have one listing agent or one agent on, you know, at each home showing one buyer, you know, maybe there'll be uh, three soon here in Washington. Right now, we're at the end of May, just about ready to go into June, early next week. So that's why I'm kind of bringing this up. We're going to have a whole bunch of economic data and housing data start to come out. And so for a lot of the data that we're looking at right now, it's it's obviously hindsight. And it may not be able to pick up all the trends that we're seeing. But I think people are thinking, oh, no, this is going to be a bloodbath. And it's just not. So let's keep going. Existing homes in, in uh, home sales in April fell by almost 18%, but prices rose 7.4%. So how can that be? What you're saying is that the overall volume of home sales has dropped. But that doesn't necessarily mean that prices drop, too. Now, we have had way fewer sales. I think any any managing broker out there is going to tell you, hey, sales dropped off a cliff in April. But now we're seeing things kind of return and not return to normal, but kind of return. And let's back up a little bit. So coming into January and February of this year, we had a hot market, we had a smoking hot market, the market was on pace to set records. And then the Coronavirus hit and it was like, Oh, all bets are off. This thing comes to a grinding halt. Literally, sales just stopped. I mean, nobody wrote anything. One of the comments I I had in one of the videos I did at the end of April talking about housing prices was, how many contracts have you written in the last three weeks? Yeah, very few, very few. But what's interesting is the contracts that are being written now are higher in price than what we were seeing before. Even, I think, some higher in price than we were in January, February. So that means we've got an increasing market going on. We just don't have enough data yet to kind of tell us where we sit. So let's keep going on with this article. All right, so usually a high, a huge drop in demand would put downward pressure on home prices. 
Home sellers would be competing with each other to attract a limited number of buyers by dropping their asking price. But while housing demand has dropped substantially, housing supply also dropped in lockstep as potential home sellers pulled out of the market for many of the same reasons buyers are. So we had this um, in tandem effect where buyers stepped out, but sellers also stepped out. And so now we've got even less housing on the market, especially here in Seattle. We had historic lows going into this pandemic. And even though we are bringing a bunch more inventory on right now, it's getting sucked up by pending sales. Pending sales are taking out most of the inventory as it comes on. Just talked to one of my kids, Karen Reynolds. He's a certified appraisal for Reynolds and Klein. He's also a summit broker. And he was saying, yeah, we're seeing a fair amount of market you know, inventory coming on. But man, it is just flying off the shelf. And some of that has to do with, I think, buyers who have been cooped up are like, all right, if we're going to do it, let's do it because it's sunny out. And when it's sunny in Seattle, you go outside because you don't know how many other days you're going to get when it's sunny. It'll probably sunny right now. It's a sunny Friday. And that's awesome. But tomorrow it's Saturday. So it'll probably rain just how it goes here in Seattle. So when it's sunny out, you get a couple of days of sun here in Seattle, especially in spring, which can be iffy, you get a lot of home buyers out. And so basically everything that has come on the market for summit has sold inside of a week, maybe 10 days. And the only stuff that's sitting is stuff that was overpriced going on the market, you know, before before sellers who want, you know, a super high price that probably aren't going to get it, and they're probably going to need to bring their price down. That's the only stuff that we're seeing sit, or something that's kind of wrong with it, or something that needs major updating that people don't really want to deal with, especially in the time of a pandemic, when it can be kind of hard to get contractors through and people just don't want to deal with whole bunch of people coming through their home. So for the most part, what we're seeing is a super active marketplace. So let's continue on to the article here. New home listings is a good indicator of housing supply. And after stay at home orders were enacted, new home listings cratered by as much as 80% year over year. Redfin reported that 41% of offers were subject to a bidding war over the last month, suggesting demand is outpacing supply just as it was before the pandemic. And I think that's what's going on. And when you see a national article like this, it kind of means there's a pretty major trend. And I think that's what's going on, is you've basically got more buyers out there than you've got home sellers. Home sellers are lagging, wanting to bring their home on the market. There's more exposure, especially for a home seller who has to open their home up to who knows how many people that are going to come through. We've had um, cases where I think we've had 20 or 30 groups through a home inside of four days. And I know some, you know, previously in some open houses, you'd have 100, 150 groups through on a really hot property close into Seattle in a really desirable neighborhood. Well, there's no open houses anymore. So groups of people are coming through. But sellers who are concerned at all don't necessarily want to have massive amounts of groups of people go through a home, whereas buyers can go through a home with one, with their one broker and they're be kind of discreet, don't touch anything. I think they feel like they can kind of control that process, whereas the sellers don't feel like they can control the process. Most of the time, they're out of the house when a showing happens and uh, they don't know who's touching what. And so uh, that's another reason I think you're seeing far less supply. And that's one of the major factors that's driving prices up. 
And so a good way to think about the housing market at this moment is that it's on pause. Buyers and sellers have left the market, transactions have dropped in response, and prices aren't moving. And I think that is true to a certain extent. And yet what you're seeing is probably the opposite. Prices are moving and they're moving up. I just don't think we've had enough data, obviously, to be able to prove that one way or the other. But what I can tell you for sure is prices are not dropping and we're not in a situation like 2008 where you're going to have a ton of foreclosures. All right, so when the financial system locked up back in 2008, it brought the excess housing demand to a halt because banks weren't able to lend in the same volume. Not to mention the recession, the collapse induced, which caused unemployment to rise and buyers to drop out of the market. So the 2008 housing recession and recession, great recession in general, was basically due to housing. And this one is not. It's due to an outside, um, you know, influence that none of us would have seen coming. And going back to the 2008 crisis, and I'm still reading the same article here, at the same time, banks foreclosed on houses in the millions, giving housing supply was already high from home builders constructing in excess. This sudden pileup of foreclosed houses creates a nightmare scenario for the market, low demand and very high supply, home prices plummeted. So you had a ton of inventory on the market in 2008, Going into the this 2020 pandemic, you had historically low levels of housing supply. You just didn't have any. In 2008, you had a ton. You had builders just going crazy. They were building everything they could because they knew they'd sell it. In 2020, for like the last, I, I don't know if it's five, six, seven, eight years, somewhere in there. I know that's a huge range. But we've had a lack of supply by the home builders. We've had a shortage of new construction home building for years and years, and that's impacting our supply as well. And then I know here in the state of Washington, when we went under the stay home orders, residential construction was basically eliminated. So you had a couple of months, maybe it was a month before builders were able to operate under onerous conditions that violate OSHA safety standards. So you had builders out of the marketplace. So you've got even less homes coming on the market now because they weren't able to build there for a while. And in order to get a new construction home up, you got to bang those things out. You just got to knock them out, get them on the market, get them sold because the interest rate clock is ticking. And that's the bank who lends money to have that house built by the builder. And uh, things are expensive. You borrow a few hundred grand or 500,000 or a million bucks to build a home. That interest rate clock is is ticking fast and hard and it's expensive. So builders got to really jam to get the homes up. And that didn't happen at the beginning of the pandemic. So now we're even further behind um, where we were. All right. So continuing the article here, this scenario is highly unlikely to play out again in the pandemic of 2020 for two reasons. First, there was already a housing supply shortage prior to the pandemic, which I just indicated. So any addition to the housing supply wouldn't be exacerbating an existing oversupply problem like in 2008. Second, a foreclosure crisis, and I'm right here, a foreclosure crisis on the scale of 2008 is unlikely, at least in the near term, because the federal government has placed a moratorium on foreclosures on federally backed mortgages and directed the mortgage industry to offer mortgage forbearance for up to a year to homeowners who have been impacted financially by the pandemic. So I've done a couple of videos on the whole forbearance thing. So if you're a homeowner and you are 
you've lost your job and you think there's a chance you might have to give up your home to foreclosure, you can call up your lender and say, hey, what are my options for forbearance? And if your home is owned by Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, there's a good chance that you're going to be able to work something out. You're not going to have to make payments for XYZ number of months, maybe up to a year. You are going to have to pay that money back. But there are systems in place with the CARES Act. That's the massive act that came out at the beginning of the pandemic here that allow you to basically keep your home, maybe tag on the payments that you're missing right now because you're unemployed to the end of your loan, work out a payment plan, whatever. There's a bunch of different options. So you just got to figure that out. And you can check out one of my videos. It's it's in our YouTube channel if you want to take a look at that. Um, mortgage forbearance would be the keyword you want to search for. So you've got things in place in 2020 that you didn't have in 2008. And I think a lot of people forget about that. They forget that times have changed and the government's actually kind of wisened up to, oh, no, when we foreclosed in those millions of homes in 2008, look at the ripple effect it had in housing and how long that took to, to put it back together. So there are things in place. You even got a lot of states who have put a rent eviction moratorium in place. So like you can't evict people, you can't add on late fees, you can't add on penalties if people aren't able to pay their rent. So there's a lot of things in place that are helping prop up the real estate industry and kind of keep things level. And then another major item going into this uh, pandemic was that we had low uh, supply, but we also had historically low interest rates. So, and I think they're going to get even lower. I think you'll see rates come across the board under 3%. And if you don't follow interest rates, anything in single digits is good. Because when I started in real estate, we were in the mid-teens in interest rates in the late 80s, mid-80s, late 80s. And that's after the early 80s, we had um, hyperinflation and interest rates were sometimes 20, 21% for builders building homes. But they still got it done. And um, a lot of builders cut their teeth kind of on suburban building in that era. And you hear those guys talk and they're like, ah, you remember when interest rates were whatever? My dad was one of them. My uncle Gary Jones was one of them. And, um, you know, they'll tell you about how expensive it was to even build a, a home back then with interest rates close to 20%. So if you have interest rates under 10%, that's a winner. People think now, especially millennials, oh man, if you had an interest rate at 9%, look at what the payment would be. Yeah. That's why buyers right now who have been around know that a two and three quarter percent interest rate, that's just a winner. So with all this undersupply, interest rates, and then buyer demand out there, that's what's going on. I'm not a shill for the real estate industry. I'm not an idiot like I've seen in comments, but I'm just kind of reporting things as they are. And this is what's going on. So we'll kind of keep going here. All right. Looks like that's about it for that article. All right, this is uh, from an uh, article from Point Two, and they are a Canadian real estate firm. And I found it interesting that the headline on this is recession could drive U.S. home prices up. So totally counter counterintuitive, right? That just makes no sense. So record low housing starts. Recent data points to decreased building activity in the U.S. real estate market. Overall housing starts dropped 30.2% in April compared to a month ago, marking a five-year low. On a year-over-year -year basis, home building fell 29.7%. 
So your new construction activity obviously, you know, ran into a brick wall and, you know, dropped off a cliff and all those other uh, great exaggerations of what's going on. But that's what happened. And so all of these factors are, and again, um, we go on to the, the second point, which is all these factors. And the other factor is record low mortgage rates. Low mortgage rates could also push home prices higher. For the past several weeks, U.S. mortgage rates have been at all-time lows. On May 15th, the average for 30-year fixed-rate mortgage dropped to 3.09% from 3.23% a couple of weeks earlier. Some lenders are even going as low as 2.75%. That's probably with a point or you know, paying some extra points, uh, some kind of rate buy-down, something like that. But when you've got interest rates in the 3% range, that is historically super, super low. So the article continues on here from point two with lower prices unlikely. Despite the ongoing recession, the U.S. housing market will likely not be flush with affordable homes, even once the nation's economy picks up again. While some forecasters are predicting a 2 to 3% drop in house prices this year, record low housing starts and mortgage rates could cancel out any price decreases. A longer term trend will likely to be more expensive housing market. So that's kind of what I'm talking about as prices will go up. In February, house prices increased by 3.5% annually, which was faster than expected. Meanwhile, there's been a weak trend in home building since 2009. There's that home building trend. So the momentum that we saw in January, more, more like February of 2020, the momentum we saw of February in the first half of March, our pandemic really didn't get recognized until about March 15th, kind of the end of the second week in March. That's when I think everybody is like, oh my gosh, this isn't just something coming out of China. This is here. And then in my marketplace specifically, I'm a member of the Northwest Multiple Listing Service. And our MLS office was literally about a mile away from the nursing home, the Life Care Center in Kirkland, Washington, where they had all the initial deaths from the coronavirus. And so my market is, is hit just as hard, if not harder than everybody else. But we're kind of working our way out of that. And I think here at the end of May, we have worked our way through that. There's very little inventory on the market. And things are pretty hot, which, in my opinion, should not be happening. Just from a, if you asked me what would happen, I would say, well, we'd have a slowdown and we'd have prices drop. That would be the intuitive thing to say, but that's not happening. And I think, again, going back to, I think prices are, are increasing. Now, one of the exceptions to this, and I've been working on that today, is the jumbo market. So just about every jumbo lender um, dropped out of the marketplace. And jumbo lending is over, in Seattle, I think it's over 741000 But it's over a really expensive limit is kind of really simplifying it. Um, and so lenders are lending up to a max of $1.5 million. And I think there's four or five lenders as of a few days ago. I had Dan Chapman from Fairway Independent Mortgage on the Seattle Real Estate Podcast, and we talked about kind of the update in jumbo lenders. And so we had Salal Credit Union was the only jumbo lender in the marketplace for a while. There was no jumbo lending going on because that is, it's viewed as more risky, it's more upper end. And so those lenders tend to pull back 
when things get hot. When you've got a crisis going on, jumbo lenders are like, yep, we're out because we loan more money. We don't want to take the risk. We don't see this going well for us. We're out. So you had one credit union in the market for a while. Now you've got, I think, maybe four or five. And I wouldn't be surprised if a handful more jumped back in in the last couple of days because there's so much kind of news going on and people are looking at the market with their own set of eyes and they're saying, yeah, we think it's time to probably get back in and let's go. So you've got more jumbo lenders coming in. But what you've had is a lack of financing for properties, call it in, uh, you know, over a million and a half, buyers are going to have to bring in a much bigger down payment to make up the difference. Because if you've, if you've only got up to 1.5 million in lending, and I know to a lot of you, that sounds like an enormous number. And you're like, uh, you know, in my hometown, we can get a house, great house for 200,000 or 150 grand or whatever it is, maybe it's 300 grand gets you a mansion on 45 acres with 20 outbuildings, but it's in Kentucky, you know, everything is relative. So and in Seattle, $2 million doesn't get you a ton of home, you would think that that's just a, you know, a, a baller house that you would see on MTV cribs, but it's just not it's actually it's a, you know, a bigger home and a nicer neighborhood, but it's not that crazy, $2 million. So I was working on helping a buyer out uh, determine what they should do. They had a house under contract for $2.125 million, and it was, a, it was a nice home. It was on Mercer Island here in um, kind of the Seattle area. Mercer Island's a very nice neighborhood, but the appraisal came in at $2 million, and I'm not going to name any names because I don't have their permission to uh, kind of go into details, so I'm just giving you a scenario, but the appraisal came in $125,000 low, came in at $2 million, and the main thing that I came away from it was there wasn't enough sales that had happened over the last few months to support their purchase price, even though the home was probably worth it. With the lack of jumbo lenders in the marketplace, jumbo buyers didn't have many options. And so they weren't able to buy. So the upper end jumbo market, to me, is just now coming back around. And where you can see that specifically is in pending sales. So pending sales are the in-between, in-between an active listing when you put a house on the market, got the for sale sign up on the house goes to pending, that's the next step, or maybe pending inspection in whatever neighborhood you're in. So house is pending, it's waiting for all the contingencies to be fulfilled. And then it goes to closed, which is sold. So you got active pending and closed. And in the upper end jumbo markets where you haven't had a lot of lenders, you got lenders coming back to you now, you're starting to see more and more pending sales happen. And to me, that's because you've got more lenders in the marketplace, you've got more liquidity. So that's kind of um, an indicating factor of where we are. So you've got all these kind of bits and pieces of, of moving marketplace happening. But the overall trend that I'm seeing is not a short term spike in prices, but it's more of a buyers out there, okay, we still need a house, we're being relocated to this marketplace, we need a bigger house, we've got another kid, um, whatever the reason is, or one thing that I've seen a lot of is people are stuck inside their 245 square foot studio. And they're like, if we have to go through this again, we need a bigger place. We've already talked about getting a one or two bedroom, maybe condo or maybe our own little house. We need some more space, especially if round two of the Coronavirus comes around. We do not want to go through that in a tiny little studio apartment. Again, 
And I've heard from property managers the same thing. The studio apartments, people have been breaking their leases. They have been getting out of their leases, and people are not re-upping leases in studios because to do a stay-home order in a, in a tiny studio, that's difficult. That's just hard, especially if you've got a couple of people in there, maybe a pet or maybe a baby, a baby that screams. Those are difficult times. So that's kind of what's going on. So let's look at uh, kind of one more article here, and we'll see what's happening. Um, this is an article from Marketplace, and that's a pretty decent um, real estate and um, kind of some economic type stuff. And the headline here is, as buyers return to the housing market, there aren't enough homes for sale. So I hate to beat the dead horse, but if you do a search for why aren't home prices falling, this is kind of what you're going to come up against. So I am not just making this stuff up. This is really what's going on. Um, so the, the, the beginning, the way this article starts off is, after weeks, mostly stuck in her 960-square-foot condo in Newark, Ohio, with her husband, two dogs, and a cat, Amber Simpson is ready for an upgrade. She manages a dental office, which is gradually reopening. He's back at work as a barista. Now the challenge is finding a place to buy for under $180,000. It's so competitive right now, Simpson24 said. Houses in our price range, they're up for 24 hours, they're in contract, they're gone, they disappear. That's what I'm seeing as well. And this is in Newark, Ohio. The same scenario is playing out in much of the country. As parts of the economy reopen, buyers are coming back. Purchase applications for mortgage rose 11% last week. Uh, this is, that's per the Mortgage Bankers Association said Wednesday. The fourth weekly increase in a row. But sellers have been more cautious. New listings are down about 40% from this time of last year, according to Realtor.com. So you've got that that thing, you got less supply and more demand. Some are worried about having strangers come through their homes during a pandemic, said Susan Wachter, a professor of real estate and finance at the University of Pennsylvania's Wharton School. Others are concerned about selling in a down economy. I don't think sellers are thinking they're concerned about selling in a down economy. I've had personal uh, experience with sellers that we reached out to that were in the process of listing their home prior to the pandemic hitting, we kind of strategized, all right, let's regroup in, a, regroup in a couple of months and see where we're at. Guess what? Those homes are coming on because those sellers are realizing, man, we can probably even get more money, if not the same now as, as back then in March. Let's do this. Let's get this deal going. Um, and, and so the last sentence was, so if you're in a market to buy, it's very difficult to find a home. And increasingly a mortgage. As more homeowners struggle to pay existing mortgages, lenders have tightened their credit standards for new loans. I think this is a little bit of old news. I think you're uh, in talking with Dan Chapman of Fairway Independent Mortgage a couple of days ago on the podcast. Lenders are starting to ease their, they tightened up initially because they didn't know which way this thing was going to go. They didn't know how housing was going to correlate with the coronavirus. You know, maybe we have a million people get killed by the coronavirus in, in the U.S. And that would have been, you know, wildly different story than what we're at today, which is what, 100,000, I think. State of Washington, we're at 1,000. You know, we were off. We were wildly off. The models said one thing. Reality did another. 
We're wildly off the numbers we, we thought we were heading into at the beginning of the pandemic. We got it wrong. That's the bottom line. We're simply off in our numbers and all the modeling. Didn't happen. So lenders now are easing back. I know I've heard of um, not necessarily down payments have eased up, but credit scores to get a mortgage. I think they were up at 660 at one time for, um, can't remember if that was a standard mortgage, but they've dropped back down, I think down to 620, which isn't an unnecessarily impressive credit score. You wouldn't tell your neighbors at a, at a neighborhood barbecue, yeah, my credit score is 620. That means you got some dings, you got some stuff in your credit, you got some history, maybe you gave a car back, who knows, maybe you had some stuff from the recession you're still dealing with, but not a stellar credit score. You know, upwards of 800 is a much better credit score, mid sevens, good credit score, 620, not that great, but you can still get a loan. So I think you're seeing residential lenders easing up their lending criteria. Uh, and I'm continuing on with the article here in marketplace and in a new forecast, realtor.com predicts sales will rebound through the summer before falling again later in the year as the effects of high unemployment sink in and coronavirus infections potentially resurge. Those are two legit factors. So I think we're feeling the euphoria of coming out of the stay at home orders in a lot of places in the United States, the reopening of America. And you've got that initial, this is awesome, let's get back to normal. But then what I've kind of been continually talking about on this podcast is the fact that what happens when the rubber really hits the road, when all the businesses that thought they could bring employees back can't, when all the employees who want to go back to work don't have jobs, when they're still on unemployment, when the unemployment bonuses run out in July, what happens when all that really becomes reality? Will the housing market take a hit? That's where I think you might see maybe a leveling off, something like that. I don't think you're going to see a tanking. I see a lot of people predicting that. Houses are going to fall 60% by Christmas. You're not going to see that. You've got too much demand. You don't have enough supply to see housing prices fall. Will you see a slowdown? Yeah. And I think especially if we have round two COVID, you know, a major resurgence happen. I personally don't think that'll happen. But it is kind of what viruses do, right? So could that happen? Could areas that opened up very quickly, maybe early on, like Georgia, how are they doing? They seem to be doing fine. I mean, their numbers aren't statistically way up. You'll see you know, left-wing news coverage say, oh, there's a massive doubling of the spike of the rate of whatever. And those are usually just clickbait titles anyway. So I don't think you're seeing major numbers across the board from areas that reopen quickly. So whether this transfers to real estate, uh, the real estate market towards the end of 2020, I don't think so. I think what you've seen is that we had a market that was hot going into the beginning of the year, and then it basically ran into that brick wall. It stopped. And now we're kind of having round two of our hot market resume. And so all the stuff that would normally happen, March, April, May is now going to happen in it's happening in May, June, July, which is a weird time for real estate. But it's kind of what happens when you have a couple of month break where everybody's at a at a stay at home order. All right, so 
We'll finish out this article and we expect the economy and the housing market to be on again, off again throughout the remainder of 2020, said Chief, Chief Economist Daniel Hale of, I don't know, is that from Realtor? So it's, going to, so it's going to be a challenge for people just to kind of navigate a situation that's constantly changing. I don't think you're going to see it constantly change. I think you're going to see it kind of rumble into the end of 2020. You'll have your typical seasonal slowdown when Thanksgiving and Christmas hits because nobody wants to have their house on the market during Thanksgiving or Christmas. It's just not a good time, especially in here in Seattle where it gets cold and wet and it rains every day for about nine months out of the year. Why do I live here? I don't know. It's where I live. It's where I grew up. So, but it is a great, it, for the 90 days of sunshine or, or kind of summer, Seattle's an amazing place to live and that's why people want to come here. So that is kind of my take on where we sit with housing prices and why housing prices are not falling despite everything else going on in the economy, unemployment, um, chaos with the stock market, but even the stock market's kind of come back, hasn't it? Stock market recognizes, okay, what are the long-term trends with this coronavirus? Mm, they don't seem to be that bad. That's kind of what I think the, the real estate market is saying. And also home buyers who really need a home, they need, they need shelter. They're out there actively looking. So if you're a buyer out there, if you're a seller out there, that's what's going on. Sellers price your house accordingly and you will get it close. You'll get it sold very quickly. Buyers, you need to be patient, maybe kind of think outside of the box a little bit as far as the neighborhood you want to live in, or think about the kind of housing that you want to be in. Look for alternatives, be creative, because your dream home may not be out there. Despite what you think with the coronavirus happening and all these shutdown orders, I should be able to get a bargain now. That's not happening. That's kind of the bottom line. So that's what I'm going to wrap up with here. And if you're watching this on YouTube, love to have you hit the like, subscribe button or the notification bell. And for those of you on the podcast platform, thanks so much for downloading this, this podcast. I'm doing a live podcast uh, or a daily podcast, not a live podcast, a daily podcast, um, probably from here on out. That's what I'm going to try and do. We've had a lot of really positive feedback to the information we're giving out. So love to have you share on whatever platform you're listening on, share our content. And I will see you on the next one. Again, I'm Sean Reynolds from Summit Properties Northwest, Reynolds and Klein Appraisal. And we'll catch you on the next Seattle Real Estate Podcast. Bye for now. Have a good one. Bye. to subscribe to our channel and hit the notification bell so you'll know when our next video is out.